Welcome to the teaching podcast for Eubank Baptist Church. We are all about knowing more about Jesus and inviting others to do the same. We would love for you to join us on our campus on Sunday mornings at 8.30 or 10.45 and Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. This podcast is a place that you can listen to any teachings that you might have missed from our Sunday morning worship experiences. To stay connected, you can check out our website at www.eubankbaptist.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Eubank Baptist Church and Instagram at eubank underscore bc. Thank you for being a part of the conversation and let's keep pursuing Jesus together. Dreams are weird things, aren't they? If you've ever had a stress dream like me, uh, it usually involves that uh, Larry Cook is calling me because service has started and I'm not here. Uh, I don't know how many times I've had that dream and it's not going to ever be a reality, uh, but well, I hope it's never going to be a reality. I should say that. Yeah. Uh, dreams are interesting. People don't usually put a whole lot of, uh, of stock in them. Uh, but when we have these uh, stress dreams or, or whatever it is, or maybe you've had a, uh, a weird dream experience in, in your life. At this point, as we study through the life of Joseph, we should know that Joseph is no stranger to dreams. Remember, he was 17 years old, and uh, he come and he gave this dream that he had to his brothers, which caused them to want to take his life. And he was in prison, and the cupbearer and the baker came to him, and they interpreted their, their, their dreams. As we come to today's passage, uh, we see the culmination of God's plan for preparing Joseph in, in prison. In fact, we even said last week that where we saw Joseph end in the same place as he began. And as we look at times like that where we see we begin with Joseph in prison, we end with Joseph in prison, there really wasn't any movement. And we think, why was God not moving in times like that? And we spoke and said, maybe you felt like that. And we understand that in times like that, God is building, God is preparing, and God is investing. And today we're going to see uh, that bleed into today's passage. As we come to chapter 41, we have 57 verses uh, that is in chapter 41. It's one of the longer accounts in Joseph's uh, life. And we're not going to read all 57 this morning. I'm going I'm to walk us through them. But if you have your Bibles, open with me to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. We're going to begin reading in verse 14. Genesis chapter 41 verse 14. I'd ask if you found it and you're able to, would you stand with me as we read God's word this morning? Genesis chapter 41, verse 14. God's word says, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said that, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh the favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, behold, in my dream, I was standing in the banks of the Nile and seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Seven other cows came up with them, poor and very ugly and thin and such as I had never seen in the land of Egypt. And the thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows. And when they had eaten them, they would have no more have known that they were, had eaten them, for they were still ugly as the beginning. Then I awoke, 
And I also saw in my dream seven ears growing and one stalk full and good, seven ears withered thin and blighted by the east wind sprouted after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears and I told it to the magicians and no one could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. Uh, The seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows came up after them and are seven years. And the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. For it is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. And there will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them or uh, after them will arise seven years of famine and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt and the famine will consume the land and the plenty will be unknown in the land by the reason of the famine and it will follow it for they will be very severe and the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means the very thing that is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you, Father, for all that you are doing, Father. And Lord, right now, God, take me, hide me behind the cross. Lord, today, let it have nothing to do with me. And Father, today, I just pray that, God, as we look at your word, God, as we study the account of Joseph, Lord, would you just, would you just teach us, God, that we are to give credit where credit is due. Father, you are the one, you are the orchestrator, and God, we forget that so often. And God, I just pray that this morning, Lord, take away all of our distractions. God, take away the things. Lord, don't even let us worry about what we're eating afterwards for the next few minutes. God, let us just focus on your word. And God, would you open our hearts and our minds that we can hear what you have to teach us this morning. So Father, we love you and we thank you. We pray all these in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hopefully, by now, as much as I talk about him, you're no stranger to the life and the works of, of, of Martin Luther and uh, his nailing of the 95 Thesis to the, the, the church door at Wittenberg. But later in Luther's life, he became accosted, he would say, with dreams. And these dreams would often involve Satan in one way or another trying to convince Luther uh, that he was wrong about everything he believed in in Jesus. And so uh, I believe that maybe this stemmed much like mine that, uh, uh, that it stemmed from a, a stress dream or whatever it could be. But he was very uh, torn in his position. And he would often say, uh, if you would only use the scriptures, reason with me, please show me that I'm wrong. Use the scriptures, show me that I'm wrong. I will tell you I'm wrong. I will recant. I will take everything back. But use the scriptures. Then one dream he recounted, uh, Satan came to him with three big scrolls under his arm, and he came near and he unrolled one. And he said to his horror, he looked and he saw his sins written on this scroll. And Satan would come and he would point and he would say, did you do this? Did you say this? Did you act on this? And he would go line by line and Luther would have to say, yes, yes, I did that. Yes, I did that. Did you do this? Did you do this? And he continued, and then each scroll got bigger, and more things were written on them. He got to the end of the, uh, the scroll, and Luther asked him, he said, do you have any more? And, uh, and Satan would say, no, but isn't this enough to damn anyone? You don't really think that God could forgive all this, do you? And Satan would leer in his face, and he said, in this dream, Luther didn't answer, but he took a pen, and he wrote across each scroll in the sin because of the blood of Jesus, this has cleansed me from all sin. You see, dreams can convince us 
of things. Sometimes it's, it's, it's odd. When I was a kid, I, uh, well, when I was a teenager, I had to have surgery. And my parents tell this story as uh, I, I came out of surgery. I was convinced that I was an elephant. and I was absolutely late for tightrope walking lessons. And so um, I, I was absolutely convinced of this. And so as we look at this passage, we understand that there are a lot of different things that we see with dreams. When Pharaoh sent and called to Joseph, they brought him out of the pit and so Pharaoh, we we're picking up, we're two years after the cupbearer promised, I will remember you, after he left prison. We're two years past beyond that, and we're finally to the point where Pharaoh is getting an audience with Joseph. Joseph has been in jail, he's been waiting, he's been waiting to be remembered all of this time, and we're given in the beginning of this chapter this batch of dreams that, that Pharaoh has. And we see the, the seven healthy cows, we see the seven sickly-looking cows, we see the seven plump ears, we see the seven sickly-looking ears, and Pharaoh is so confused by his dream, his, his life is kind of just upside down, and people are noticing that something is wrong, and he tries to have the wise men and the magicians interpret what's going on, but no one uh, could give it an answer. And it's finally, finally, after this time, that the cupbearer said, oh, I remember my, my sin. I, I remember all this. Listen, if you, if you need uh, your, 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 uh, your dreams interpreted, I know a guy. And Pharaoh said, I don't need a boat. Well, that went over just as well as it did in first service. Get it? I know a guy? Okay. And finally, the cupbearer remembers his sin. He tells of this Hebrew boy that was in prison with him and tells him of the dream and the favorable thing. And so Pharaoh sends for this Hebrew. He sends for Joseph. He sends for this dream interpreter. And he's quickly brought out of the pit and shaved and his clothes replaced. And the Bible makes us a point to tell us the speed in which Pharaoh's orders were, were carried out. In fact, he says when he was quickly taken, the, the Hebrew word there is, is yerisher. And it means to be with the utmost of haste. In fact, if you think about it with an emergency vehicle, whether it's an ambulance, fire truck, or whatever, when they're speeding down the road, when they're, they're just smashing that gas pedal, they're of the utmost of haste. That's kind of the illustration that this Hebrew word is given. It is with the utmost of haste that Joseph is brought before him after three years in prison. In a matter of minutes, Joseph's life is completely transformed. First thing I need to remind us of this morning, and this may be a dull statement, is that God moves slow and he moves fast, but it's all in his timing. God moves slow and he moves fast, but can I tell you that it is all in his timing? Like I said, Joseph uh, had been in prison for three years, and it is a matter of moments that he is quickly taken away. He is shaved, he is dressed, he is brought before Pharaoh. Remember, this is two years after the cupbearer assured, I will remember you, I will bring you before Pharaoh, I will tell Pharaoh of, of what's going on. And so, <clears throat> maybe you can think of a time in your life where maybe you've kind of felt the way Joseph did. You kind of feel like you're that two-year moment where God is just moving really, really slow. Remember, we were in that last week when we talked about Joseph and that God was still moving, God was still doing things, but it wasn't as evident. Maybe we can think about that. I absolutely know what this feels like. 
You know, I was called the pastor when I was 19, and God put me in a student ministry role, and after 10 years, God told me it was time. I was going to leave student ministry. I was going to be a full-time pastor, and the weirdest thing happened is uh, uh, we resigned from my, my full-time student ministry position, and we came back to uh, Brittany's parents' church, and um, we began to, uh, to wait, thinking maybe a few months, man, we'll be at that church, right? In a few months, we'll be where God wants us to be, and um, that's not what happened. The days started going by, the weeks started going by, the months started going by, and the years uh, started going by, all while we served the students at Springfield Baptist, which that's an odd enough statement as it is. First week, we come in to Springfield Baptist, their student minister gets up and resigns, and everybody knows what we did before we showed up, so they all like, whoa. And I remember there were so many times that uh, I was just kind of, can I be honest? I was kind of screaming at God, God, why? Why did you bring me here? God, why did you do this? You know, I can't, I can't help but read myself into Joseph when he's being left in that prison for two more years. You know, God, why did he not remember me? God, why do you have me in this prison? I didn't do anything wrong. And it took three years for God to fulfill that promise for me. But once he began moving, it was instantaneous. You know, in looking back here, you know, Eubank was the exact same way. Like, and we weren't waiting for three years, but when you guys were, man, you guys have been waiting for a year and there was like nothing. And then all of a sudden, God just kind of put us together. And I felt like in a matter of just minutes, we were here. We already moved. And it was just kind of crazy. But Joseph was the same way. He was waiting. He was waiting. He, he, I'm sure that he never expected to be brought in front of Pharaoh in the manner he was. But when God moves slow, he also moves fast. When God's ready to move, you'll know it because it happens. You see, God doesn't have a chain of command that he has to go up in order to make it happen. It just happens. And so he sat before Pharaoh in verse 15, and he says, I have had a dream, and there's no one who can interpret it. And I've heard it said that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph says, no, it is not in me, but God will give Pharaoh a reasonable a favorable answer. You see, Pharaoh begins, and he begins to, to say that I have this problem, I have these dreams, and no one has been able to interpret it, but I know you are, are you able to do it. Maybe you're smarter, maybe you have some kind of, but you're able to do it. And Joseph's like, no, 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 no. God is able to do it, uh, not me. And I think Joseph's response teaches us a lot about maturity. Because remember, this is the same Joseph at 17 with apparently no discretion or uh, discernment whatsoever, has this dream and goes and tells his brothers who are already jealous of him, the, the, the Bible tells us, and, and, and causes this chain of events to happen where they throw him into a pit to die and then decide to sell him. And so God has been uh, preparing Joseph for this moment. We saw that last week. He was built. He was, he was prepared for this. He could have very easily says, yes, it is me who is the interpreter of dreams. I'm the one who did it. I'm the great. But that wouldn't have been right. You see, even though he had had this life where most of us would look and be like, man, Joseph messed up. It wasn't a mess up. God brought him exactly where he needed to be. Second thing this morning is that we have to be wary of is that we have to give God credit when credit is truly due. And listen, when we look at this, imagine that you have been granted an audience before the king of England. 
Okay, I have stood at Buckingham Palace. I've stood at the gates. I've, I've seen it all. And can I tell you what, what doesn't happen is the king doesn't ride out and just come up and say, what's up, homie? He doesn't just fist bump. In fact, you don't really ever get to see him. There are policies. There are procedures that are in place. Uh, just as Joseph had to shave and dress, these were protocols. Understand that for Egyptians, they were clean shaven. To be anything other than was a huge disrespect. And so for a Hebrew, it didn't matter if he had big bushy beard. But it did for Egyptians. So he shaved. And I don't know why the Bible tells us it changed his clothes. I don't know how long he was in those clothes. But apparently he was some kind of offensiveness to his clothing that it was replaced. And so he stood clean shaven. He stood in front of Pharaoh. You know, oftentimes when you're in this position, you're handed a card of things that you must stay. You know, uh, your majesty, your, your Mr. maybe it's the president, Mr. President, and we're so thankful that you've allowed us to blah, 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 blah. You, you have a script that you have to read. In fact, some of you may remember, it was David Beckham, the soccer player, who caused a national scandal in England by coming up and simply patting the queen on the back. I think I've counted it this morning that I have done that no less than 17 times just this morning. But it caused a national scandal. This was, this was horrible. This was awful. And it caused a, a scandal because that's just something you don't do. You don't run into the King of England or the President in the line at Starbucks. It doesn't happen. But Joseph has a chance here. And I'm sure that Pharaoh's handlers would have taken Joseph. They would have prepared him. You're about to stand in front of the, the holiest man in all of Egypt. You mind what you say. You don't tell him anything. You, you just do what you're called to do. And I'm sure they gave him some kind of spiel because that was their protocol. But I guarantee what it didn't do is tell Pharaoh no. He comes and Pharaoh says, I've, I've heard you say this. And then immediately what, what, what Joseph does, I says, no, no, Pharaoh, you're wrong. Don't tell Pharaoh he's wrong. But you're wrong. It's God who does this. It is God who interprets dreams. And so have you ever had a chance to take some credit for something that you didn't do? Maybe you were praised at work or, or some other thing for something that you didn't do. But, man, you took the credit for it because it got you ahead. Maybe it got you a bonus, whatever it may have been. You know, I think the weirdest thing, and, and I said this in first service, I hate resumes. I hate them with a passion. And, and I know I'm not supposed to say hate. I severely disdain with a strong force resumes. Because they're one to two pages of you bragging about how you are the greatest gift to humanity and how any company is the sorriest company that doesn't hire you. And so you're told, you're, you're trained to use keywords, you're trained to do all this. Listen, I've done my share of resumes and you're told to, to, to do it. Well, the thing is, is that translates to ministry resumes as well. I hate resumes. And I'm really glad I'm never going to have to do another one because I'm going to retire from here. But <laughs> I hate it because you're told you gotta, you've got to brag on the successes that you've had in ministry. I haven't had any. Can I, can I be honest? I, I've racked my brain and I can't remember the last time that I broke into somebody's house, I kidnapped them, I used rope, I tied them to the chair, and I just shared the gospel with them until they gave me their, their life to Jesus. 
I can't remember the last time I've done that. And maybe I should start. Maybe that's what we're doing wrong. I don't know. You know, we want to love, reach, engage, disciple. Let's add, tie him up to that one. Let's do that. And I don't know, but we're told that, that, that we're supposed to take this credit. But the problem is, is it's not our credit. It's God's credit that does all of this. Listen, we have seen amazing and wonderful success through Eubank Baptist Church. But guess what? It's not because of Eubank Baptist Church. It's because of God. Now, we are faithful to what God has called us to do. We are faithful to love, reach, engage, and disciple. But that is because of what God has called us to do. And Joseph begins to understand this. He's standing before Pharaoh. And what a way it would have been for him to be like, yep, that was me. Man, I'm the one, Pharaoh, who did all this, you know. And I will, ch- I will do your dreams too. Just give me money. Give me power. Give me fame. Give me fortune. Give me all this. And Pharaoh, I will interpret your dream as well. You know, we look, and, and Joseph obviously had to be a candidate of some kind. That He had to be a, a good candidate. But let, let's be honest. If we're in this position, our lives are in shambles. We need somebody to come in. We need to fix it. We need to have somebody tell us what is wrong with our head. And the magicians, the, the doctors, whatever you want to call them around us, are just not working. Maybe we go outside of uh, the palace, and maybe we look around. Maybe we go see, well, you know, what's over? Maybe they've got some over, over across the uh, across the river here, you know, our first guest would not be the guy who's in prison for soliciting the, your captain of the guard's wife, supposedly. Nobody's first guess is to go to the prisons and find Joseph. But can I tell us, God needed Joseph there. God had brought Joseph before Pharaoh because God needed Joseph there. And Joseph could have been very quickly to say, it is because of me. But he gives credit to God. And so he begins to tell him this thing. Behold, I have a dream. And I stand at the banks of the Nile. And there are seven plump cows. And then there are seven sickly cows. And they come up and they eat the plump cows. And uh, when they had eaten, excuse me, uh, they were still ugly. And they were still scrawny. And they were still sickly. And then there were also seven ears. And the same thing happens is that he, he says that the ears came. And then Joseph said to Pharaoh in 25, the dreams are Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven, uh, seven good years. The seven bad cows are seven bad years. Joseph makes sure when he is explaining this to Pharaoh to give credit where credit is due, he says it is God about to do this. You need to understand it is not because I say it. It is not because you say it. It is because God says it. It is about to happen because of God. And he gives this horrible news about a famine that's coming. And listen, there's probably on that little card that Joseph got before he, he, he got to the Pharaoh, I am sure said something about don't upset Pharaoh. Listen, Pharaoh held Joseph's future in his hands. He held it. Giving bad news could have very easily sent Joseph back to prison. It could have easily sent Joseph to death. Because let's be honest, people don't like to hear bad news. Have you ever had to give your boss bad news before? It's never a fun thing. It's that people, people draw sticks because they're like, I don't want to be the one to tell them. And so he gives Pharaoh this bad news. And here's the thing. Pharaoh would have never known any better if Joseph would have been like, oh, Pharaoh, you see what's happening is these dreams are telling me that, well, you're magicians are going to sin against you, and you have to put them in a corral with seven cows, and they're going to eat them until they're full and plump. That's what that dream means. Well, that sounds pretty, that sounds like that could pass. 
That sounds like that could almost work. Pharaoh would have been none the wiser. He could have told Pharaoh anything in the world, and Pharaoh would have been none the wiser. He wouldn't have known. But Egypt would have in seven years. God's people would have in seven years. You see, we're in the midst of uh, a narrative that's happening that's going to show us Joseph intervening for other people, not just for himself, not just for Pharaoh, but intervening for other people. Joseph was risking his life, giving Pharaoh bad news. And then, as if that's not bad enough, as if giving of bad news is not bad enough, then Joseph does something even more egregious. He begins to give Pharaoh advice. Look in verse 33. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine." Joseph gives advice to Pharaoh. Listen, this was a no-no. How many, going back to the king, if you were to stand for the king of England, how many of you would walk in and say, listen, king, I know how to run your country. Let me tell you, this is what you got to do. Let alone the fact that says, hey, Pharaoh, listen, we're already taxing the people. We're already doing these things so that we can eat. Hey, let's do it more. Let's increase taxes. That way they have to give one-fifth of everything to you, Pharaoh. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of remember an event in history uh, happening because of taxation without representation. Uh, just a small event. I, I just, you know, I, I kind of remember something happening about that. Uh, but here Joseph is telling Pharaoh what to do. He's giving this advice. But understand that it is not because of Joseph, because Joseph is still speaking with the authority that God has given him. Joseph is still speaking, and it's, yes, Joseph probably has this wisdom because he managed Potiphar's house for so many years, and he has this administrative ability to kind of see things maybe in a different light, but it is the authority of God in which it's Joseph is still speaking through. He is speaking to Pharaoh in this bold manner, and, and, and this is what's so amazing. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all of his servants, and Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, And God has shown you all of this. Then there is none discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house. And all of my people shall order themselves as your command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. Pharaoh is so impressed with what happens that he puts, Pharaoh, he puts Joseph in charge. He says, only in the fact that I sit on this throne will you, will I be greater than you. You have all my power. You have all my authority. You have everything that I have. But look what happened. Look, there's a little key in here. Can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Last thing I want you to see this morning is in Joseph's obedience Pharaoh was shown God. In Joseph's obedience, Pharaoh was shown God. 
and contrast this. Remember the Pharaoh in, in, in Moses' day in Egypt who came and said, I am greater than your God. I am greater. I'm the greatest thing that's ever lived here this moment. Joseph is sharing what God has called and what God is doing, and Pharaoh acknowledges God. Pharaoh acknowledges the power that God has over his kingdom. Otherwise, listen, if this had been the, the Pharaoh of Exodus, he'd have been like, Psh, let's live in excess these seven years because we're going to have plenty. Because you know what? I will provide in the seven years because I am God. But Pharaoh realized there is a power that is greater than him. In our obedience to God, we are never to be surprised that God can use us. You see, Pharaoh, yes, he recognized Joseph's character. That's not something that we need to, to debate. He recognized Joseph's character, the fact that he brought him out of jail, the fact that he set him in front of, 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 of himself to, to, to be an advisor of any kind before he was even given any power means that he acknowledges Joseph's character. But here he acknowledges Joseph's God. He acknowledges Joseph's God. He recognized that through Joseph's humility, it was not Joseph's power that was the source of his success. He saw God's. And can I tell you today that if we live a life that is chasing after Jesus, this is how people will perceive us. This is how people should perceive us. When they look at our lives, they'll see all the adversities, they'll see all these things, but they'll see God in the midst of all of them. Are we faithful to show people that God is the source of our strength as Joseph has? Joseph has went out of his way to show that God is the one. And Pharaoh is so impressed by Joseph's wisdom and God-given insight that he appoints him overseer over all of Egypt. You know, Joseph has started in the pit. He started in prison. He has started in this, but he is ending in the pinnacle. Joseph is brought up to the top. He is the prime minister of, of Egypt now. He has given power. He has given authority. He has given fine clothes. He has given the signet. He has given this gold chain. He has given the symbols of royalty. He has given the power of Pharaoh himself. The only thing that he is missing is this fact that he sits on the throne. Pharaoh renames him and gives him a wife. And he has two kids, Manasseh and Ephraim, who he dedicates to the Lord. And during the plentiful years they do, they gather up all the things. And they gather up all the 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 the, the the food and they put it together and they they prepare for the seven years of famine and when the seven years of famine come exactly as joseph had predicted egypt was prepared but the other lands began to suffer and people would come from all over to egypt to to to, to want for food see the god who left joseph in the prison for three years was working all throughout it god was teaching Joseph so much through that time. And, and, I, and I bring this back to us, you know, I think in times where we get frustrated with God, why are you not moving in my timing? God, I've set this deadline. God, I want to be a, a millionaire by the time I'm 35. God, why is that not happening? You may never be a millionaire. I don't know. It's not in God's will. Who knows? You know, I use this illustration, but you know, how am I to pray? God, why is there not a bass tracker in my front yard yet? And it's got to have a, a big old motor, a 225 on the back of that thing. I don't know. Because God is building. God is working. God is moving. Because the same God, listen, the same God who brought, who brought him from the pit to the pinnacle, the same God who brought Joseph from prison to the, the, the prime ministership, the, the pinnacle of, of, of Egypt, works in our lives today. And can I tell us that 
You see, we have this thing in our lives where we kind of should identify with Joseph. You see, Joseph was in prison. His sentence was life. There was no possibility of parole for Joseph getting out of prison. In fact, we look back, Potiphar should have taken his life because that was the punishment for what he did. What he was accused of. But God had him in prison because God had a plan to get him out of it. Can I tell us this morning that each of us have a prison? See, we live with this thing called sin in our lives. And sin separates us from God. And the problem is, is that we all deal with it and it all is without a possibility of parole on our own accounts. But God loved us so much that even in, the midst of, even in the midst of that, even in the midst of that sin, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, to pay that debt, to release us, to break our shackles of slavery, to break our shackles into that prison so that we, through our faith and our trust in him, could come to him. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus for the first time. Maybe you're here this morning and you've heard us talk about Jesus. You've heard us talk about this guy. Can I tell you that God loved you more than you can even begin to understand? So much so that he sent his only son, Jesus, that he would live a life that was sinless, but he would go to the cross to pay a death for sinners, for you, for me, for all of us, so that we put our faith, we proclaim him as Lord, we are set free from that prison, and we spend an eternity with God. See, this morning, that could be you. This morning, we carry that around. We don't have to say, you know, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Lord, I don't know if I'm, I'm worthy enough. Can I tell you that you're not? But God said you could come anyway through my son, Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus. Here in a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. And my encouragement is if God is speaking to you, don't leave with it. We do this week after week. We carry these burdens with us that, that God tells us to leave at the altar and we just carry them with us because we just feel like, well, I don't want to bother God with them. Can I tell you that God, that's, he, he wants them. If you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus, it can be done today. Pastor Aaron and I will be down front. We'd love to talk to you. Maybe you're here this morning. You've been a Christian for several years and if you're just honest with yourself, you're just not where you need to be. Right, it's time. This altar will be open. We'll be down front. We'd love to talk to you. Maybe you're here this morning and God, you've, you've done all the things. You, you've followed through. Maybe you've never followed through in baptism. Maybe you've never accepted a calling that God's placed on you. Maybe you're going to serve him as a missionary. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's something else. During this time, my prayer is that whatever God is speaking to you, don't take that burden back out. Submit it here. Submit it to him. It's not about Pastor Aaron and I. It's about the Lord. And we want you to experience him today. This time of invitation, there's nothing special about this time, but it's a time where you get to respond. It's a time of worship as we respond to how God has moved. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you, Father, for all that you're doing. And Lord, I pray that we could be like Joseph. Lord, make us faithful even when it's hard. Lord, I won't pray for patience because I don't wish that on anybody, but Lord, would you help us to be patient? Because, Lord, when it seems like you are moving so slowly, God, when it seems like your timing is not our timing, Father, would you show us that, Lord, you are still moving. And, Lord, if there's someone here today that has never trusted in you, Lord, this morning, would they just come forward? Would they be willing to admit, Lord, I've sinned, I've come against you. But, Lord, right now, I believe in your Son. I confess him as Savior. And, Lord, right now, you save me. Would they be willing to do that this morning? Lord, maybe there's one here, this altar needs the, the, their burdens. Lord, let them come. 
Lord, whatever the decision is, God, it's not between Pastor Aaron, it's not between us, it's between God and them. And Lord, I just pray that, Father, we are still faithful to hear from you and still faithful to listen, even in our stubbornness. So God, we love you and we thank you. We pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.